Heavenly Father, what a joy it is, what a privilege it is to be here in this place. Father God, what a privilege it is, Lord. Lord, there are people in other countries that have to hide underground, so to speak, to have church services and hide from the government because of persecution. We thank you for a free country that we live in, that we can worship you unashamedly, Father God. And today we ask you, Lord, to fill us with your fullness of the Word of God and the wisdom of God and of the Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We've been talking for a a few weeks now. This will be our fourth lesson. I think is one of the most important topics I have ever ministered on in this church. In a very timely message, God began to deal with my heart about it. And it's called fearless, as you can see up here. And how that God wants us to live free from fear in our lives. Amen. You ever stop to think about it? How many decisions that we as human beings make as a result of fear and not of faith? Stop and think about that. Now, when I talk about fear, I'm not necessarily talking about fright, you know, like Friday the 13th or Freddy Krueger. Now, I've not seen those, so I'm not planning on seeing that. But we talk about, ah, you know what I mean, fright. And that's fear. That's the height, the pinnacle of fear. But yet fear is also found in worry, concern. And we'll get into that today. God doesn't want us to have any fear. Now, Last week, we began to talk about steps to overcoming fear in your life. God wants you to be... Now, you might have lived with fear all of your life. And you think, man, this has been such an integral part of my life. Not that I wanted it, but it's been such a part of my life for so many years. You know, how can I ever think about living without fear? You know, sometimes people can live and get so comfortable with the curse that they think that's the norm. It's not. God doesn't want us to be filled with fear. Well, I know, Pastor Keith, that when we get to heaven, there won't be any curse, there won't be any fear. That's true. But Jesus prayed that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And so the first step to getting victory over fear is to, and I'm just re- repeating a little bit here and reviewing from last week, the first step to, re, to, uh, to overcoming fear is to recognize its source. Recognize its source. Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. Prime example. It says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So uh, if God didn't give us a spirit of fear, then where did fear come from? Who else is left? It's not a trick question. Amen. Fear does not come from God. Well, Pastor, what about the scripture, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? That's not the kind of fear that we're talking about here. That's a reverential uh, respect for God. You know, we ought more than ever before, we should have an awesome respect for the things of God. I mean, respect the things of God. We live in a society nowadays where people just don't have any respect for authority and for anything. And that's crept into the church to a certain degree. But I believe it's, it's shifting, it's coming back, and we're getting our reverential fear where it needs to be with God. Amen? And it says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I saw that one time, and I thought, well, here's fear, that's the enemy. And then God says, I've given you power, love, and a sound mind. That's three things. Power, love, and a sound mind. What's a sound mind? A controlled mind. 
You see, when we operate in fear, we don't have a sound mind. We make choices that are not sound choices when we're operating in fear. Amen? And so we should just come to the place where we just said, I refuse to allow fear to press my button and make me make choices and make decisions. Amen? God has not given us the spirit of fear. Let's say that. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Praise God. So recognize to get victory over fear, recognize its source. Fear is always from Satan, from the devil, from demon spirits. How do you know when the enemy is talking to you? Does he appear to you in a red suit, a long tail, a pitchfork like the cartoons project? You say, oh, there's the devil right there. No, that's not how he, that's just a cartoon figure. How do you know when the enemy is talking to you? You feel discouraged. You feel down. You feel afraid. You feel worried. Anybody ever felt those things before? Okay, just a few of you. You know, it's nice to have group participation here. Amen. Just join in with me this morning. You'll receive a lot better. Praise God. But when you, see, when you sense those things... In your life, just like Brother Tom, the Lord gave him that word, you know, when, you know you're, the way you feel can be traced back, back to exactly what you've been meditating on, what you've been thinking upon. Amen. You can be going along and all of a sudden, wham, you get hit with this negative thought about somebody or about yourself, about your future, and he, the list goes on. You know how many times I'm up here preaching and I have thoughts come in my mind? Right while I'm preaching the Word of God? You have no idea. <laughs> and I got to cast those things down so I can minister to you better. Amen. I'll be honest with you. Praise God. The second thing that we looked at last week when it comes to steps to getting victory over fear is to understand God's love for you. Okay, let's, let's look at one scripture here. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Let's look at this. It's very important here. The first step is what? Recognize the source of fear. Number two is to understand how much God loves you. 1 John 4, 16 says this. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us or towards us. God is love and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Hallelujah. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Now, when it says there's no fear in love, this is not talking about you walking in love. This is actually talking about understanding how much the Father, if you read in context what he's talking about, how much the Father loves you. Okay? Because it starts out in verse 16, we have known and believed the love that God hath towards us. See, a lot of people know about the love of God, but they don't believe in the love of God. Isn't that true? Now, we brought out, now because of time, we, we can't go back and read all the scriptures we read last week. But we saw that how that the apostles, you know, you got the 12 disciples, all the 12 disciples that Jesus chose. And out of those 12, there were three that were closer to Jesus, Peter, James, and John. You'll see them on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus did things with them. And then out of the three, you have John, who was the closest disciple to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he referred to himself four or five times in the Gospel of John, which he wrote. He referred to himself as the, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> now, that kind of throw you when you first read that. Like, John's writing that about himself. Now, Moses, for example, in the, in the Old Testament, I think it's the book of Numbers, he said that Moses, the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man that lived on the face of the earth. And guess who wrote that? Moses. Well, God gave it to him. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. God gave that to him. He's thinking, oh, I'm the meekest man on the face of the earth. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But John, it's not that Jesus loved uh, him more than the other disciples. He didn't. Jesus never plays favorites. Always remember that. He does not have any favorite kids. We're all his favorite kids. <laughs> he doesn't show favoritism. Never. But see, John had a revelation. He just didn't know about the love of God. He believed that Jesus loved him. And you'll find him at the Last Supper, his, his head up against him in a, in a holy affection for him. Amen. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Praise the Lord. And Jesus loved all the disciples, but John believed in the love. And you know what? He was the longest living disciple. He died a natural death of old age. They tried to martyr him, tried to boil him in a pot of vat of oil as a human french fries, and they didn't. He just popped right back out. So what did they do? They put him on an island called Patmos where they put all the prisoners just to be there for life, get away from society. Well, he gets out there. He's in a cave, and all of a sudden he writes the book of Revelation. Jesus appears to him on the Isle of Patmos <laughs> and writes the last book of the Bible. Isn't that something? The devil couldn't stop him. And the devil can't stop us. He had a revelation of the love of God. And so, uh, uh, really important, if you were not here last week, please get the CD and listen entirely to what we shared last week. It's so, so important to you. You know, we have universities, we have schools that you go to that, to grow and to get an understanding of the occupation that you're about to go into. And it's necessary in the natural to have that kind of knowledge. This kind of knowledge is the most important knowledge that you and I can have. It's not just, oh, it's just another sermon. This is the most, the Bible is the most important knowledge you will ever have in this life. That's why church is so important. Especially the kind of church you go to. How many of you know that's important? I'm glad I'm a part of this church. I'm glad I'm in this church. Amen. You don't have to ask me if I'm going to come on Sunday morning. I'll be here. Oh, pastor, that's what they pay you for. They don't, nobody pays me to do this. Amen. I would preach the Word of God if there was nobody. Amen. Because that's what's in my heart. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now, today we want to talk about the third step to getting victory over fear. To getting victory over fear. Go to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. Oh, this is so good. This scripture is amazing. Isaiah 41.10. The Lord said this. He says, Fear thou not. Why? For I am with thee. I heard someone say recently, and I don't know if it's the, it precisely, but they said that the word fear not is written 365 times in the Bible. So that's, that's one for every day of the year. 
fear not. There's a fear not for every day of the year. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? The third reason that we don't have to fear and get victory over fear is verse 10. It says, fear thou not. Why? Because I am with thee. Okay? Say, I am with thee. Okay. Now, that's all King James language there, but look at this. It says, God says, do not be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. Say, God's with me. Amen. See, God's with you. Be not dismayed, or in other words, confused, for I am your God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I'll uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Oh, glory to God. You ever read that scripture before? I mean, this is, a, this is God himself telling us. He says, fear thou not. In other words, don't be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. I want to make a statement right now that is the most comforting thing I've ever heard. One of the most powerful things I've ever heard in my life is that you cannot get rid of God's presence from your life. Even if you decide to go out and mess up and sin and do all kind of corrupt stuff, do you know God is still with you? And that's not advocating that you do wrong. You understand that. My God, if your heart's right, you're not going to want to do wrong, right? You're not going to want to go out and sin and mess up and break all the Ten Commandments and everything else. Are you with me now? If you love God, you're going to want to do right. You're going to want to do right. You're not going to want to rob from somebody, cheat on somebody, lie about somebody. If you love somebody, you're not going to do that. The Bible says the love is the fulfilling of the law. When you walk in the love of God, you're not going to rob from somebody. You're not going to steal from somebody. You're not going to tell a lie about somebody and, 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 uh, and to uh, mess with their character. You're not going to do that. Are you with me now? But you cannot get rid, as a believer, you cannot get rid of God's presence. Now, what happens a lot of times, most often, more often than not, is we go by our feelings rather than what the Word of God says. Okay? Smith Wigglesworth, you've heard of his name, right? 24 people raised from the dead, you know, graveyard dead under his ministry had a revelation of God, only had a fourth grade education, third or fourth grade education. The only book he ever read and only could read was the Bible. Okay? But he loved God. He knew God. He was from over in, 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 uh, in the UK. All right? And uh, we read about him today and we see the, the tremendous things that he accomplished that was, to him was just natural, ordinary, ordinary Christianity. But he had a tight relationship with God. And there are 24 documented people raised from the dead under his ministry. Now, you know, you don't do that with ordinary faith. You don't just walk into uh, some funeral home that's out there. They're having a service. You go in there and just jerk the guy out of the casket. <laughs> you got to know you heard from heaven. Now, that would require more than just natural human faith. It's called the gift of faith, where God's faith, that's God's faith, comes upon an individual, which, by the way, is available to believers if we need it. It's a supernatural faith that rises up and above. We, I pray for that. We have the gift of faith working, and praise God, and see tremendous things happen. 
But God says, fear thou not, I am with thee. Be not confused, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. So if we believe that God's presence is with us, um, we have to let the Word, what, what I was trying to say was, allowing the Word of God to dictate and to determine how we're going to feel. Instead of waking up and we're like, I feel weird today. I feel strange today. Well, that's not your feeling, okay? It goes back to what you're thinking upon. And just because you don't feel God's presence, you know, almost 99%, 9.9% of the time when I get up here to share, I don't feel anything. I don't feel any special anointing. When I, and that used to really bother me. It used to really throw me when I was first in the ministry. I thought, I was waiting for sparks to fly, and I was waiting for some great goosebump, you know, and feeling. And, and once in a while that happens, but more often than not, I would just feel like just Keith. But, I, but I've learned a few things that you do it by faith, and then when you do it by faith, you start flowing, and then the anointing shows up every, every single time. Exactly what he's doing today. So we have to walk, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight or feelings. We have to walk by faith. And if we're going to be successful in life as a believer, we must learn the importance of walking by faith or by the Word of God and not by how we feel. A better way to put it would be this. We're, we're motivated and we're governed by the, by the Word of God rather than our five physical senses. Amen. That's why we can shout the victory in the midst of apparent defeat. Because we've got inside information. Amen. We've got the Word of God. Hallelujah. And so we practice. The third way that we can overcome fear is we begin to practice God's presence. Well, how do you do that, Pastor Keith? I'm glad you asked. Begin to acknowledge out loud, God's with me. Say, God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. Okay? You can't get tired of saying that. God is with me today. He's with me today. Thank you, Lord. You're with me today. May not feel anything, but He's with me. And if He's with me, I'm guaranteed to make it through any situation that I'm facing. No matter how rough the situation is, no matter how beat down you might feel. Okay? You might want to go run and hide in a corner somewhere, throw the covers up over your heads, pull the blinds down, and go eat a big piece of chocolate cake to try to take away that depression. But it's still going to be there. Not only that, you're going to feel worse after you just ate that bunch of cake. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but I did anyway. But if you realize, God is with me. And to, talking about Wigglesworth, these guys like John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth, they would make a practice of looking in the mirror I think it was John G. Lake, you know, he, he had tremendous revival in the continent of Africa. And, uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people were healed by the power of God. But he would, he would get up in the morning, he would look in that mirror, and he said, do you see that man in the mirror? He pointed himself. He said, God lives in that man. God lives in that man right there. And uh, he would practice that. At first, it didn't seem like nothing's happening here. Amen? But he would look in the mirror and he would say, God lives in that suit of clothes right there. God lives in that man right there. And someone says, well, that's really sweet how John G. Lake did that. Listen, all of us should be doing that. 
All of us should be practicing that on a daily basis. How long does it take to look in a mirror and say, God lives in that man or that woman? Praise God. God lives in me. And if God lives in me, He's going to put me over in life. What's the 23rd Psalm says? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, Lord. You can be in the shadow of something. Like Brother Kenneth used to say, he said, the shadow of a dog never bit anybody. But you can be in the shadow of a dark place in your life, you know. And he says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. He's with me. Say, God's with me. And if God is with you, you are guaranteed, if you know that, you're guaranteed to be a success. You are guaranteed to overcome. You are guaranteed to overcome that obstacle that you're facing right now. Praise God. And I'll tell you, you could be in the worst situation of your, what you think is the worst situation in your life. You could be, you're back on a hospital bed with a bad report from the doctor. It could be anything. Okay, worst financial report you ever got. And I'm telling you what, you could be, you could be there. God's right with you. And you, you, could, you could go through the whole day and act as if he's not even there. And we've all been there and done that. But I believe the Lord is shifting the way that we think. Because in these last days, we've got to become more aware of God's presence than, uh, than the fleshly things that are around us. Praise the Lord. Practice the presence of the Lord. And it starts by acknowledging with your mouth, God is with me. God is with me today. Thank you, Lord. Now you do that by faith. You do that, you step out and you say that and you do that by faith because you may not feel any different. You may feel like a dog. Okay? But let me tell you something. When you begin to decree and you begin to declare, God's with me. God's presence is with me. And sometimes I have to say it hundreds of times over and over again. But you know what? When it's all said and done, God's with me. And I overcame. Praise God. Here comes a threat. Here comes some type of fear that comes at you, you know. Well, in the midst of that fear, you rise up and you say, no, I will not be afraid because God is with me. Amen. Now, here's a, let me just say this. Just because you feel fear doesn't mean that you're afraid doesn't mean that you received it. Okay? You can be standing there with your knees knocking and your hair standing up on the back of your neck, afraid. You feel fear. But that doesn't mean that that's yours. You can feel it and you can say, I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to be afraid. And what's the devil has to, he just has to say, okay, see ya. And that's a good thing. Because he cannot the enemy cannot, the enemy of your soul cannot attach himself to you apart from the spirit of fear. You see up here, we got this projector up here. You see how it's plugged into the floor there? The power source comes out of that plug right there. But if I go over and I disconnect this cord and I pull it out, that will shut off. It'll shut off. Why? Because it's not connected to the power source. And when you pull the plug from fear out of your life, you are disconnected from the power source of fear, which is Satan himself. Actually, we change plugs and we plug into God. <laughs> Amen. That's what you're doing right now. We come to church, we're plugging into God. 
Hallelujah. We're not just doing the Sunday thing. We're coming here to plug into God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, practice. How do we overcome fear? Number one, recognize its source. Number two, understand how much God loves you. Confess that. God loves me. And number three, practice God's presence. Go to Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5. And let's take a look at this scripture here. Okay, it says, uh, the Apostle Paul said this. He says, let your conversation or your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things that you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Now notice the phrase, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's what God says, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. You don't ever have to worry about God abandoning you. Now we know that in the natural, sometimes people have been abandoned. It's a sad thing. Abandonment and the fear that comes with that. There's been children that have been abandoned by their parents and so forth. and It's a terrible thing. It's a heart-wrenching thing to see that. That's how much more does the church, that the people of this world need us today to be that place, amen, to take that place and love people and care for them and love on them. But the Lord says here, He says, he says don't start coveting things. He says, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. So you don't, the reason you don't have to covet, you know, the Bible talks about coveting, you know, is a sin. Don't covet your neighbor's this or that, you know. The reason God doesn't want you to covet because He wants you to give you your own. Amen. He wants you to, you don't have to covet someone else's vehicle because God will give you your own vehicle. Right? You don't have to covet someone else's spouse because God will give you a spouse if you put God first. Amen. You'll notice I said if you put God first. Okay? You're not going to find that woman or that man down at Joe's Bar and Grill. Amen. Amen. I'm not trying to pick on Joe. I'm just saying. You're not going to find a man or a woman of God in the local tavern. Okay? End of argument. End of conversation. You do not have to go to the world system to find what you're looking for. Because you won't find it. You know what you will find? A counterfeit. Okay? And I've watched it, watched it for many people through the years that counterfeit relationships, you know, and I'm not going to get into that this morning, but I tell you, it's just better to trust God. Well, brother, it just, how long is it going to take? Listen, you'd rather wait to get the right person than to make a rush and get the wrong person. Believe you me. Amen? Years ago, many years ago, I was going to I was going to marry a, I was, a couple came to me. They wanted me to marry them, okay? And, uh, and I didn't feel good about it. I didn't feel right about it. You know, the timing wasn't right. There's, there's, I can't go into details, you know? And later on, the, the fiancé, the woman, actually came back to me and said, Pastor, I'm so glad. I was mad at you at first. I was really ticked off at you. But she goes, I'm so thankful. That you'd said you didn't feel good about it because I just found out some things that I didn't know back then. And I'm so glad that you told me so I could make a right choice. Amen. And at first she was really mad at me. She's upset at me. Because I didn't put my stamp of approval on it right away. 
But you know, you have to move forward. You have to do things with the peace of God in your heart. Are you with me now? He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Say, he'll never leave me or forsake me. Okay? So God is with you all the time. You're in your car, you're driving, you're on an airplane somewhere. God is with you. You're traveling, you don't have to worry. God is with you. He's with you. Now this fourth thing I want to talk about today, this fourth reason to, fourth way or avenue to get rid of fear is number four is 1 Peter. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 5 and we'll wrap it up here today in 1 Peter chapter 5. In verse 6, praise God. 1 Peter 5, 6. God wants to give you things. He wants to give you good things. But you have to put Him first. You have to put Him first. Okay? God cannot be treated like a spare tire. And the only time you think of a spare tire is when you get a flat. Okay? Say, I love you, Pastor Keith. All right. Now, sometimes you've got to say things like this, but it's so vitally important. We've, we've got to do our best to put God, the things of God on the top of our list. Okay? And if we don't, we're going to be waiting a long time. That's just the way it is. Ask me how I know. Okay? But 1 Peter 5, verse 6 the Apostle Peter said this, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Now notice that verse 6, Humble yourselves. Is God going to humble you? No. He says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Say mighty hand. And we sang that song this morning, Mighty God. Amen. And we need to understand, boy, He is mighty. He is powerful. And... Uh, but he says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So, is God opposed to exalting you? Absolutely not. He wants to exalt you. Okay? But he says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he may exalt you in due time. So, if you read that verse, I ask this question when I read the, the verse of Scripture. I thought, okay, if God says, if I humble myself under his mighty hand... He'll exalt me in due time. The first question that comes to my mind is, how do I do that? How do I humble myself? The next verse answers it right here. Because this was not written originally in chapter and verse. It was a letter. Okay? So read it like this. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Hmm. The Amplified says, cast all of your concerns, worries, anxieties upon the Lord. Now, I understand that. Amen. Little nagging things, worried, filled thoughts, you know. It's not necessarily, I said, the big frightful things. It's the little nagging things, worries and fears. You're worried about this, worried about your job, worried about your future, worried about your future mate or lack thereof, or worried about your family members, worried about your son or your daughter. Little worried thoughts. Okay? Song of Solomon said it like this. He said, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Did you ever read that scripture before? Maybe, maybe you never heard it. The little foxes that spoil the vine. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, here it is. The foxes, the little foxes, were so small, and they liked grapes. Okay? And so the big foxes would stand up on their hind legs and grab the grapes off of the vineyard and eat the grapes. But the little foxes felt gypped, felt ripped off, and they couldn't stand up on their hind legs high enough to get the grapes from the Israelites. So what, what would the little foxes do? They would gnaw at the vine and pull the whole vine down. The little foxes spoil the whole vine. No more grapes going to grow on that vine anymore because they, they, they chewed a hole through it, pulled the vine down. Now they got the whole vineyard, basically, of that, that particular tree or bush, whatever you call it. The little foxes. Sometimes it's not the big things in life that pull down things enough. It's those little nagging things that we put up, those little nagging, worry-filled thoughts every time. Okay? There's not a person in this church that doesn't have those things try to come against you, on a, probably today. You probably even came in here today with a little nagging thought. Didn't even think about it, so I just said it right now. This little nagging worry, little nagging thought about something that you're dealing with. Okay? That's still fear. Are you with me? So he says, humble yourselves under the mighty, 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 mighty hand of God. How? Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Cast the whole of your cares, amplified all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all upon him, for he cares about you affectionately and over you watchfully. Casting all your cares. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I'll just quote it because of time this morning, but I believe that the Apostle Peter got this phrase from Psalm 55, 22, where it says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He will sustain thee, and He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. Cast your burden, cast your care upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Have you ever cast your cares upon the Lord before? Well, I can tell you, you're going to do it more than once. Because <laughs> uh, there's things that come up that you're not even aware of. Things will come up any given day or any given week. And um, but notice that here's something else. Here, look at verse eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. All right. Now you got to take this all in context here. This kind of gives the impression that the devil's just walking around, just waiting to, he's going to just, just jump on you and just devour you, as if you have no control over that. Now, the only Christians, we're talking to believers here, right? The only believers that he can actually devour are the believers that do not cast their cares upon the Lord. Because if you're worried about your daughter, your son, your grandkids, or your husband, or your wife, or whatever, that fear and that worry is not going to change them one iota. So you have to make a firm choice and a decision. And this is sort of meaty this morning, isn't it? You're thinking about this. Okay? Good. Praise the Lord. But you're not going to be successful in this life if, you've, if you're weighed down with burdens and cares. It just isn't going to work. Okay, now I have up here as an illustration, I have an iPhone 7 Plus. Okay, I know how to turn this thing on, I know basically how to work this thing, but if this phone breaks, 
I cannot fix it. I got to take it back to the Apple store. I have to have them work on it. <laughs> and recently something happened. I had to take, just the other day, I had to take it back. I need something fixed here. I can't fix this. They did it. They fixed it. Why? Because they're the experts. They're the experts. All right? Now, let's just say this phone is symbolic right here of your cares. Okay? And let's just say Eleanor, she's sitting close by here. I'll use her. She's the expert on iPhones. So I'm going to take my phone. If there's a problem here, I'm going to give this phone to Eleanor. I'm going to hand it to her. And instead of giving it to her that can fix it, I give it to her and then I take it right back. And so I go back to Eleanor and I say, Eleanor, how's my phone? She says, well, Pastor Keith, you didn't leave it with me. You told me what the problem was, but you didn't leave it with me. Okay? So I would have to give her the phone, let go of it, and if Pastor Lynn says, how's your phone? Say that. How is your phone? Okay. <laughs> Sound like a robot. <laughs> She's messing with me. Okay. I'll say in response to that, I say, I don't have the phone. I gave it to Eleanor. In other words, I cast it upon her. Are you with me now? Okay. So many times in prayer, we're, we're saying, I'm praying about this, Lord. I'm, I'm giving it to you. But then we walk away and we take the thing right back. And then we're like, why is it taking so long? Why is it month, a month gone by, a year gone? Why is it not happening? Because, and I, tr trust me, you're looking at a world champion warrior. Used to be. Not now. Okay. Because I got it from my family. I grew up in a, in a really worrisome type of family. Maybe you did too. I don't know. But I had to learn to cast my cares upon the Lord. And if the Lord has the care, then that must mean that he's working on it even while I can't see it. See, if I left this phone, which if there's been times I've left the phone at the iPhone store or anything else, okay, it's going to require some time for them to work on it or a computer or anything like that. You know, I don't go back to my house and think, oh, I hope so bad that they can fix that thing. I've never thought that once. I know they're the experts. They've got the knowledge. They've got the parts and the knowledge. They know how to fix this thing. Okay? And then I get a phone call. I said, your phone's done. Come and pick it up. Or your computer's done. Come and pick it up. All right? So mission accomplished. I had to leave that piece of equipment with them, the experts, like God. Leave it with him. And when it's finished, you will know it. That's how you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You cast your cares, worries, anxieties over upon the Lord. Glory be to God. And boy, I'll tell you what, it works every single time. It works every time. And the devil cannot devour you. He might be like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour, but he cannot devour the Christian that gives their cares to the Lord. And you don't have to be some perfect Christian for that to happen. None of us are perfect in the flesh. I'm not perfect in the flesh. I make mistakes just like you make mistakes. But we have a God that cares for us, that loves us, that invites us to give our cares to Him, to cast the care upon Him, and then He will then in turn take care of it. Amen? You know, many years ago, probably 20, 25 years ago, I was watching, uh, just happened to be 
you know, that's pretty crazy when you got 300 channels and there's none on there that are good. <laughs> you know? And I, I was watching this Discovery Channel. Sometimes I like those types of shows like that, you know, and you learn some things. Nothing evil about it. But there was a, there was a young man, probably in his 30s, that had, there was a small engine, uh, one engine uh, a pilot, okay? And he happened to live in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, okay? And there's a city right outside of Phoenix, Arizona, to this day still there, called Carefree, Arizona. Carefree, Arizona. And I don't know where he got this thought, but he put it out there on, on, on the web, so to speak, you know, and, and said, if you have any cares, any concerns, write me, send them in, and I will take them up in a big sack and fly over Carefree, Arizona and let them out and you will be taken care of. And I'm thinking, no one's going to write this guy. I was wrong. He had a Santa Claus sack. You know those big burlap sacks? Full of people that wrote him their cares and concerns. And all he did was litter the city. He'd go up over Carefree, Arizona and let them out. Look it up on YouTube. You can probably find it. Google it. You'll find it. And I said, look at that. People literally think that if they write their cares down and give it to this guy, and he flies over Carefree, Arizona, that their cares are going to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you something. We have a God that says, give me your cares, and I'll fix them. I'll take care of them. Amen? You know, once you, once you pray about something, once you pray about something, you give it to God, Man, I'm telling you, don't let the enemy of your soul come back. The, the devil will try to, he always tries to come back and tries to put that, you just prayed about that, but do you really think that's going to work out? You know, you just prayed for that daughter, that son, or that grandchild. You really think, I'm, I heard your prayers, that thought will come back to you. Or you just prayed about your financial situation. And the thought comes back to you, oh, do you really think that need's going to be met? Do you really think God heard your prayers? You, that's where you have to stop and say, no, I don't have the care. God has the care. It's in the hand of God, Satan. If you want to talk to anybody about it, you go to God. Say that out loud. Amen. You go talk to God because he does, I don't have the care. He has the care. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching myself happy this morning. Amen. Because I'm telling you, God doesn't want you or me. Burdened down with cares about our future. Thinking about what's going to happen and what's going to happen next week and what's going to happen next month. What about next year? What about, what about, what about? God doesn't want you, what about? Because the Lord is in your future. And if you're trusting Him, you'll walk towards Him. And you'll walk in His fullness and you'll walk in His blessing if you're trusting Him. See, the Bible says that the footsteps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. But the Bible also says we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I think it's 2 Corinthians. It says we walk by faith and not by sight. I saw something here that we think about going the distance, you know. But, I, I, you know, it's like the Lord showed me one time. He says, Keith, could you leap a mile I says, no. He asked me that question recently. He said, could you leap a mile? I said, absolutely not. He said, could you walk a mile? I said, yeah. 
All of us could. I walk a mile for Jesus. Forget the camel. <laughs> Remember that commercial? <laughs> I walk a mile for a camel. <laughs> Something's going to kill you anyway, right? Remember that commercial? No. <laughs> Nobody. So who remembers that commercial? All right, three people. All right. Okay. I'm not 105 years old for Pete's sake. You know. <laughs> Basically, it's about a guy that wanted a camel cigarette. You know, the kind without filters, the kind that kill you quicker. He said, "I'll walk a mile for a camel." That was a commercial. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead and look it up. You'll see it. It really does exist. It did. But what was I saying? Oh, yeah. He, the Lord was saying, could you leap a mile? I says, no. He says, could you walk a mile? I said, yeah. And then he says this. He says, what is a mile made up of? And I said, steps. I got it. I got it. See, so many times we're wanting to leap into our future and you can't get there unless you take one step at a time. One step at a time. I trust you, Lord, Monday. I trust you, Lord, Tuesday. I trust you, Lord, Wednesday. And before you know that you've walked a good distance, but you didn't leap there, you walked there. And so you walk by faith and not by sight. Every day you get up and say, I walk by the word of God. I thank you, Lord, today I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. That's walking by faith. And you make a bold declaration before any pain or sickness comes on your body. And even every day of your life, you just say, I thank you, Lord. You took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. And by your stripes, I was healed 2,000 years ago. That's walking by faith and not by sight. Amen. You know, I'll give you a little secret here and I'll close here, I promise. Jesus became your substitute. And I'll share with you a revelation that God gave me that was just, just revolutionized my thinking to this day. Jesus, in Galatians 3.13, Jesus took the curse. He became the curse in Galatians. He said, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's us. To the degree, here's what, here's what the Lord showed me, to the degree that Jesus took the curse, I take the blessing. Did Jesus take 80% of the curse? 50% of the curse. Now, you've all seen like color charts, you know, where you have 100% red, then 90%, 80%, and then it just it fades down. You know what I'm talking about? Did Jesus take all the, did he become all the curse? Absolutely. To the degree that he took the curse is to the same degree that we take the blessing. So I, say, I confess out loud every day, every single day. Father, I thank you that Jesus took the curse so that I could be blessed. So someone that comes along and says, we're not blessed. Well, if you're not a Christian, you're not. But if you're a believer, you are blessed. I'm blessed. You're blessed. Say, I'm blessed. You say, well, I sure don't feel like it. I've got all these bills stacked up on my table and all this kind of stuff. You know, you're still blessed. Okay. The second thing. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus took the curse, I became blessed. Secondly, He took sin 
that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 To the degree that Jesus took sin is to the same degree that I take his righteousness or right standing with God. I am 100% righteous according to the word of God. I wouldn't say that, Brother Keith. That's blasphemy. No, that's scriptural. Listen, there's no unrighteous people going to heaven. There's no unrighteous people going to heaven. If you're not righteous on the earth now, you will not go to heaven. That's just the way it is. When you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, Jesus took all of your sin and he gave you all his righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He took, that's the substitute, he took your sin, you take his righteousness. And it only gets better from here. So I confess that. Lord, you took the curse, I take the blessing. You took my sin, I take your righteousness. I have right standing with God through Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with feelings. It only gets better from here. Matthew 8, 17, can you handle this? That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Matthew 8, 17, he's referring to Isaiah 53. He says himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And 1 Peter 2, 24, and with his stripes we were healed 2,000 years ago. Jesus took, to the degree that Jesus took your sickness is to the same degree that you and I take his health and healing in our physical bodies. Am I 50% healed? 30% healed? No, according to the word of God, I'm 100% healed. And knowing that has brought me off of two deathbed experiences where I was that close to checking out. Knowing that in my heart brought me out. And I stand here giving all the praise and the glory to God. 100% healed. I feel better than when I was 25 years old. To God be the glory. But see, the Lord's remind me, he says, you've got to keep this before you. And if you get tired of hearing truth, if, if truth frustrates you, that means you don't have a revelation of it. And it shouldn't frustrate. We're like, oh, glory to God. I just ate a big meal at church today. Mm -hmm. uh, I, hope that's, I hope that you're feeling that way. I hope you, you had a big meal at church today. Whew. Pastor served a three-course meal, and man, the Word of God just was so rich this morning. Glory to God. Amen? Amen? So Jesus took our infirmities, bore our sicknesses. And then lastly, Matthew, uh, no, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 8 9, for he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he were rich, Yet for your sake became poor that you through his poverty might be rich. To the degree that Jesus took your poverty is to the degree that we can take his wealth and riches in our lives. Praise God. And once you, once you apply these principles, you may not see anything right away with these eyes. But when you start applying these principles and you release them, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. If you're redeemed, you've got to open your mouth and you've got to decree and you've got to declare. I am redeemed. Hallelujah. And that's why it's so important 
The Bible says we are to hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering because the devil will try to rattle you and shake you and try to move you by what you see, what you feel, what you hear. But don't let that move you. Let the word of God rise up in your heart. Let it come out of your mouth and decree on a daily basis the thing that you want to see come to pass in your life. And it will come to pass. Hallelujah. People that quit, that give up, that cave in, that don't hang on to the confession of their faith. And they give up. They say, this faith stuff doesn't work. It does work. They just gave up on it. Faith works. Because it's faith in God. Matthew, Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in what? In God. We're to have faith in God. Okay? So what we're going to do here, and we'll close right here, is that we're going to give every care that we have to the Lord. Think about it. What is it that is concerned to you? What is it that worries you? What is it that nags at you? Okay? We're not giving it to a guy, a fellow in an airplane, to fly over an Arizona town and drop it down there. We're not doing that. We're actually giving it to a God that cares for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. The Lord just showed me something. He said, he said tell the people right now, and I'll just do that. I'll just I'll be obedient to you, Father. Tell the people that I am an expert at fixing broken situations. I am an expert at fixing problems. I am an expert at mending things and fixing things. Even when you don't know how to do it. Even when you don't know how to fix it. The Lord says, bring it to me. Bring your burdens to me. Unload them upon me. For you'll not burden me down, for I already have the answer. I already have the solution. So bring your cares to me with joy. Bring your cares to me, not with sorrow and sadness, but with joy and glee. And you'll watch the devil. He'll run and he'll flee. Bring your cares to me. Bring your anxieties to me. Give them over to me. Hurl them over upon me. And I will take those situations that affect you. For you see, I am concerned for you. I do love you. I do care for you. But I don't want you carrying the care of your lives anymore. Give them to me, saith the Lord. I had the, uh, <laughs> had the Lord say something to me back in the early part of summer. Actually, it was around springtime. And, uh, and I had something that was nagging at my mind about some thought that was nagging me, some worried, anxious thought. And the Lord butted in on that mess and he said to me, he said, Keith, and I didn't hear him with these ears, I heard him in here. He says, I'm a selfish God. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> I'm thinking, what does that mean? He's there, I don't want you, I don't want to share any of your cares with you. He says, I want them all. I know what he meant by that. He says, I don't, want, I don't want to share your cares. You have part of them. I have part of them. He says, I want all of them. He says, give them to me. Give them to me. Now, you know that word cast? 
in, in the Hebrew or in the Greek there in the New Testament for casting, you know, that's a violent word. That's not just like a little, you know what I mean? It's like a pitcher on the mound in baseball that winds up and throws with every fiber of his being to strike that guy out at the home plate. That's a cast. It says when the fishermen cast their nets, they threw it out as hard as they could. That's the kind of word that's used for casting your cares upon the Lord. Not just like, no, we, we give it to Him. We give it to Him. And then what happens? We walk away from that and now we can have peace. We can function throughout the week knowing that God's taking care of that thing. Oh, He's taking care of that thing. There have been so many times in my life where I cast the care on the Lord and I'm like thinking, how in the world is this ever going to work out? I don't know, you've never been there before. But your mind's like going a thousand miles an hour. You're like, how is this ever going to work out? You know? But you're not supposed to figure that out. You're supposed to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. All of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Praise God. So let's do that this morning. Why don't we stand up together? Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I learned some things this morning again here on this. I'm preaching this to myself as well as preaching to everybody here. Praise God. That the Lord doesn't want us burdened down, weighed down with cares and worries, no matter what it is. He don't want you burdened down with any of your family members. He doesn't want you burdened down with financial situations. Okay? Praise the Lord. Now think about it for a minute. Close your eyes. And think about that thing or things, plural, that, that, that you're concerned about, you're worried about. Okay? Let's just call it for what it is. Now open your hands up. Just close your eyes and picture like cupping your hands and picture that care or those cares in your hand right now. Envision that in your, your mind's eye right now. Do you see that in your hand right now? Now, right now, in the name of Jesus, as an act, an outward act, let's lift up our hands towards the Lord and give it to Him. Lift it up and let Him reach. Picture His mighty hand now taking that out of your hand. You know how heavy that thing was? Now it's light. He just took it out of your hands. And say this after me, Lord, Lord I, cast I cast every care, every, care, every, concern, every concern, every worry, every worry over upon you right now. You are able to fix it. You're able to take care of me. So I give it to you. I release it into your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm looking at a bunch of carefree believers in this church right now. Say, I'm carefree. I mean, you've got to even change the kind of gum you're chewing. Carefree gum. <laughs> they still make that. People say things like, take care. No, not me. You know, I know what people mean when they say, take care. No, I'm not taking care. I don't have care. I don't have my care. My cares are in the hands of God. Amen. Praise the Lord.